1: Betches Media presents Diet Starts Tomorrow with host Aileen Drexler. I'm having
0: a relationship with my pizza.
1: In a world where wellness looks perfect on Instagram.
0: Just doing my workout, Tuesday's arms and back.
1: But feels anything but in real life. Is butter a carb? Yes. This is the podcast exploring the emotional side of well being. I would be proud to partake of your pecan pie from people who understand the struggle. I'm on the third day of my cleanse diet.
2: Hello and welcome to Dice Stars Tomorrow. I'm your host, Aileen, and today's episode is going to be a very special one because I am joined by two people I've known for a very long time. Jordana is back, but she's also joined by her sister, clinical psychologist, Dr. Naomi Bernstein. Jordana and Dr. Naomi are hosts of the Betches' newest podcast, Oversharing, which is all about the challenges we face in all kinds of relationships from friendships to family, long-term relationships, or even dealing with the customer service rep that makes you want to literally scream in a pillow. So hi, guys. Welcome. I'm so excited to see you.
3: Hey, lean Good <laughs> to see you.
2: Thanks for having us. Last time I saw you, Naomi, was... Dr. Naomi, excuse me, <laughs> was... We were having a great time. Partying down, yeah. I
3: literally think I think I have a an image of the last time I saw you getting those free tequila or whatever. Yeah, uh, not the free the um signature shots. tequila shots. Yeah,
2: we were we ha- we were having a great time, <laughs> and you had a great speech. For the record, Naomi
4: doesn't doesn't make all of my friends call her Doctor Naomi, but we're doing so for the for the legitimacy
3: of this podcast. <laughs> And from now on, Aileen, forevermore. <laughs> I will
2: I will never refer you to see you as person. anything else. <laughs> so I obviously listened to your show. It is so good, guys. I am really pumped about oversharing. Jordan, do you want to share what this show is about? Like what made you start it or want to start it and what people can expect from it. Sure.
4: So a passion of mine is giving advice. And you hear that on You Up podcast. Mainly, I did a little bit of it on Brides. But, you know, as the audience knows, I don't have any, like, clinical training. I'm not not an expert. I'm just speaking from my own experiences. And so I thought it would be, we thought it would be a really great idea to start a podcast with an actual expert who, you know, Dr. Naomi is. I don't call her that either, personally, (laughs) but (laughs) it's how we're referring to her now. (laughs)
2: So In your family text, you need to yes, do that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
4: Um, and so, I mean, obviously, also, we come from like a big kind... And Eileen, you're, you know, we grew up together, so you know just how chaotic our family is. Eileen's Aileen, probably earliest 10-year-old memories of me are watching <laughs> me like... Run after Becky with a knife and like, <laughs> to, like knife down the door of her bedroom door. We had a lot of you, chaos. You the in one family. with the
2: knife. No, you. Were- oh, I was. <laughs> no. I was the one. Okay. You were running. I was. Running. <laughs> I she was. Lock real thing, and I remember it vividly. It was yes. a butter knife. Everyone, it's okay. It
4: <laughs> was like just a standard uh Tuesday in the um, in our household. But yeah, we had a very like big family, a lot of like different relationships, a lot of different, like very, I would say the opposite of a nuclear family, just a lot of different things, some of them very dysfunctional. And so we had a lot and of everything experience. was
3: talked about every all oh, emotions yeah. were out in public forum to be discussed and dissected. 100%. So, yeah.
4: yeah, I would say everyone's interpersonal relationships were up for grabs. And some of them were very overanalyzed a lot more than others. <laughs> so I think that that had us one, or at least me, I'm gonna speak for myself. Fixated on like what makes like a healthy relationship romantically was one thing that was always really interesting to me, and then also just like we grew up in a house, and then you you get older and you kind of like relearn what healthy social interactions look like, and I kind of that's sort of where this podcast came to be. Like, what's the what are the best ways to resolve conflict? What are the best ways to um, to deal with your own personal internal issues? And a lot of it just stemming from from that,
2: and so. Naomi like having grown up in that sort of environment what made you want to be a psychologist?
3: Well, I th- honestly the first the first moment that I knew I wanted to do it it wasn't really any family stuff. I had a relatively long-term boyfriend that I broke up with at the beginning of my senior year of college or like right around there and I was just like floored, devastated. Like I you know, I couldn't eat, I couldn't sleep. I could, you know, I was like my, it was my first heartbreak. And then I started to figure out how my thoughts and my emotions, you know, changed my reality and how I could kind of intellectualize in some ways at that time, my way out of it and ended up feeling better and sort of came out of it feeling like, wow, this is cool. I could have, I felt really bad and now I feel better and I want to learn how to do more of this for myself and for other people. So it it did start with a, a painful breakup, um, and then it was just once I started studying it and realizing how, why you get there and all that juicy stuff of like where it all comes from, I was pretty hooked.
4: You so. know, it's, it's interesting to me that you say that it was from like a personal experience that you, um, that you thought about therapy because, you know, I it's funny. I remember that. I kind of remember you like in that state a little bit. I have like very vague memories of you, like kind of like almost like bedridden because of this <laughs> <big frame. laughs>
2: it's possible. Were you in high school? college must have been college college.
4: but i was like at probably like 10 or so at the time but i kind of i just remember like you and you were always like very upbeat i just remember you being like really like sad and depressed like watching tv like in your bed for like a long time or just like being like almost again like almost bedridden because of this breakup and to me i really again i kind of feel like i've always had a similar trigger in terms of like breakup rejections and i do think Mm -hmm. that comes from like Maybe you did, maybe you don't associate with that, but I'm kind of like, oh, like a breakup is the most devastating thing that could ever possibly happen to you. And you're like, it feels like worse than any other thing going wrong in your life. Totally. For me anyway.
3: Like you totally. Yeah. I could say because you you project all of your stuff, you know, family stuff, attachment stuff onto that one person, whoever that one person is. So when it's all on that one person and then they get pulled out from under you, you're just sort of left with all of this emotion and, you know, self-doubt and, um, all those thoughts that flood in about who we are and, you know, how, we, you know, how right. another person can really fix or, you know, devastate you. Yeah, especially
4: if you're taught that that's like, yeah, a big thing to like that. <laughs> yeah, to be hinged on.
2: Having listened to the first episode, I, you hear a lot of that also, and like the advice you both give. What kind of problems do your clients have? Is it mostly relationship stuff? Do you, you know, is it family? Is it body image? What's the category?
3: Yeah, I would say all like all of the above. I I do um. I kind of put myself out there as someone who specializes in relationship, interpersonal relationship issues. I think on my online bio, it says something about, you know, breakups and, um, that type of thing, uh, or just unhealthy relationship patterns. People that keep finding themselves in the same type of unhealthy relationships or not feeling satisfied. So there's definitely a lot of relationship stuff. Um, but yeah, body, I mean, it's all intertwined, right? Body Mm -hmm. image and, um, family relationships. And, you know, so yeah, I think a lot of that couples, I really like doing couples work. Um, obviously I came, you know, like I said, there's, there were many different couple dynamics and marriages and all that stuff that I got to, I was always the one. So my parents obviously were divorced at a young age. And so, I was always the one that was like seeing both sides at the same time as, you know, being in the middle of that. So I'm very, I pride myself in being able to, when a couple comes in really, you know, like I've said this before, they usually come in and they're both wanting me to say who's right when they walk mm-hmm. in the door. Like they're, they can't wait to get to that first <laughs> session so I can say who's right and who's wrong. But I really pride myself in being able to see both people's perspectives. So I think it's a strength that I bring to couples therapy um, just from a lifetime of seeing
2: all sides. I've always wanted to ask you: Does this help in your relationship? Having had your past and then studying this exact thing and practicing it every day, does it help in your in your day to day, like your personal life?
3: With in my marriage, you're saying,
2: yeah, yeah, or yeah, just um, friends, all of it, mothering,
3: any of it, yeah, mother, yeah. parenting. You know, honestly, the biggest thing that helps me is mindfulness. So like stopping to pause to make an intentional choice about how I want to deal with my relationship versus just going on impulse. Mm-hmm. Um, So a lot of times in my practice, I'll see from an outside perspective what happens when someone is just like going on autopilot and doing whatever they feel like in relationship. And it does, it helps me start, start you know, I I'm human and I'll start to think, oh, wow, maybe I did something like that. Or, oh, wow, like I, I'm planning on addressing this issue, and maybe I should do it in this way or that way. So I I learn from my patients all the time, every single day. And, um, you know, they teach me things that I could never learn in any kind of, uh, you know, book or journal or anything like that. So totally. And it's stopping and just being aware that you have a choice of how to deal with the situation. So
2: that's great. It must be like, It's so interesting to have like all those different perspectives as your source or as a resource in like one situation.
0: When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going. But there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S dot com.
1: This episode is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick but can't always find the super high-end stuff? That's N U U L Y dot com, newly with two U's with code DST20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes.
2: Okay, what speaking of advice, Jordana, what is the best advice Naomi has ever given you?
3: Ooh, I like that (laughs) question.
4: I mean, it's funny because I think, like, I was trying to think about this and I was like, you know, one thing you do really well, I think, as a therapist, and like obviously you give ad- advice on like, you know, your take on what to do, but it's really, I think the the process of therapy is so like it's such a long game. It's not like, oh, like you said mm-hmm. something and it immediately fixed it. You know, because you've given me a lot of advice that was really good advice that I didn't listen to because I like to hear at the time. Right. Exactly. It wasn't what you I didn't wanted to hear. Solicit it. <laughs> <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> but I think it's more about like learning how, like you said, like how to think about things and about like, and I think that's the best advice you've given me. It's never been like, well, tell him this. And then like, you know I mean? Text him that. And like, then he'll be more interested. It's always right. been more like, and I think we, I just talked, we just talked about this in the episode we just recorded, but I remember, you know, coming to you with problems about Mike and we have like, we we talked about like the love languages and I'm like, well, the, we're, ours are not like being compatible in this way. And you were like, and again, it was wasn't like, "Oh, do this to get him to do that." It was more like sometimes what you really need is the thing you're not getting. like your love your love language is the things that you just are currently getting the least. Mm-hmm. Um, which again, just changes like your perspective, gives you like a new way to think about something again, which is like to me, a lot more helpful long term. It's almost like, the idea of like, teach a man to fish. Do you know what I mean? And he'll be like, if you like give a man a fish, he'll be hungry for, he'll be hungry totally. again tomorrow. But if you teach them to fish, he'll be like, he'll never be hungry again. Just in the idea of like, if you change the way you're thinking about something, that's actually a lot more helpful long-term than like, mm-hmm. you know, don't text that guy back.
2: <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Or, or like ha- the best kind of therapy I've, I've received is when the therapist sort of, unlocks realization my own realizations about myself like the way that i am that maybe i wasn't really that aware of or maybe that i thought i was like just just something about my personality that i was just maybe hiding but really it was so obvious you know <laughs> and mm-hmm. that and, and even though my question might have been an issue that i'm having with my husband you know it's so like well maybe we have to figure out why you're doing this in the first you know and that's right. always been so useful because then that changes your perspective. I'm like, oh, I now see a fight that we had completely differently.
3: Right. And it's it's so easy to put it onto this external thing of like, okay, if we could just get rid of this thing or this person or this conflict, but it's just going to show up in another space if you're not dealing with the issue.
2: The thing about love languages, and you guys, I think, talked about this on the first episode about how a lot of people these days and we I've had someone on to talk about like insta therapy and how everyone has taken things a little bit too far in the sense that they've drilled down something that's kind of complex and nuanced into these little snippets. And then people who take it from social media, then they take that like, as like the definition without considering the complexity or the nuance, like, like love languages, like that's not it's not 100% like the way like, just because I does not solve your problems, it doesn't solve your problems. And (laughs) it's also not, it's not the reason you are the way that you are, like things change. Are there other examples of things that you guys have noticed about maybe it's not just relationships with your, your significant other, but like even with friendships that you see online. And Jordana, we were, you you said that you listened to that Back for Seconds yes. episode where Sammy and I were talking about what friendships should be versus what they actually are. Are there any examples of things that you've seen online or heard people talking about that are actually like a little bit more complex or not as straightforward as people take them to be? Hmm. Interesting question.
3: I get what you're trying to what you're getting at, which is like someone's trying to package something up into a nice little bow and it's a little yeah. bit more complicated. I think there are things out there that I've read that are like long kind There's it's usually like the long ones. Like I like, you know, I was just gonna say I like the short ones. If something hits you and it's like, you know, always respect yourself or whatever, some little snippet yeah. of something. And it's kind of like if that hits you and that's like a good way to kind of come back home and reframe your, just get like a little sh- dose of, I this is my intention. This is important to me. I like it, right? I like those short snippets if it's something that can just get you back on track when you're spiraling. But when it's some long convoluted thing about demanding respect and don't ever let anyone, It's there's almost sometimes there's like a little anger behind some of this stuff mm. that feels like you don't need, I think people oftentimes feel like they need to get angry in order to stay true to something. So I've seen those, um, those kind of, you know, short little snips of advice that are kind of lead people to feel like they need to be, I can't think of something off the top of my head, but that there needs to be like a lot of anger behind something to be respected in a relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, which are ones that I feel like, like you're saying, it's a little bit more complicated than just don't take shit or we, yeah. whatever it is, it's like, okay, well, there's
2: two I deserve people. to be treated yeah. like a queen. Right, like, yes, uh, right. So
3: that's a perfect example, right? Yeah. It's like, because he didn't, you know, the flowers that he bought were from the gas station that day, does that mean you end the relationship because you <laughs> deserve to be treated like a queen? So that's one and that's who, like more nuanced Who says you're
2: than a that.
3: queen? <laughs> right. <laughs> right.
4: Right. right, right, right. The idea that like... Um, no one's perfect, including yourself is like really like not that I guess Instagrammable. Like you're not that, you're not that perfect. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think that also gets thrown around. There's a lot of like terms, which I think if you fully look into them and you read about them and have like, they have like a lot of nuanced, um, meanings, like, you know, like there's a ta- attachment theory is like a legitimate study of like how that can affect your adult relationships or like, love bombing is like a real term used by like probably like sociopaths to like gain control over people. But like, I do think that people misuse a lot of these terms or use them as a way to sort of put people in these boxes and then minimize them to whatever trait they've, you know, read online that something seems similar to them when the truth is that like most things are really situational um, Mm -hmm. a lot of the time. So like, you know what I mean? But when you say, oh, that guy didn't text me back because he's avoidant, like that kind of minimizes his entire being into like mm-hmm. one psychological term that you probably don't even know that well that right. you're now using to just like classify people, which isn't really that helpful
2: or accurate. Mm-hmm. Right. And is it, is it accurate to say that, that that's also just a theory? Like while it is heavily studied, it is also a theory too. Like Also true. yeah. No, you know, like not everything is... Like we're all just kind of just figuring it out <laughs> yeah. and not not everything needs to be so, I don't know. Like I just feel like everybody is just so obsessed with defining themselves or defining others with like terms, like you're saying with terminology that doesn't, it's not that helpful. Like while it is helpful to classify your personality sometimes, like the way that everybody loves horoscopes, and mm-hmm. um, the with Enneagram, it's like we all cha- we're all changing so much over like the course of many years that I think it's that. That's why I think just to bring it back, that therapy is so helpful in the sense that like when you talk to somebody or hear a therapist speak, like it just it just helps you kind of ground yourself in the present and understand who you are in this moment and not yes. this like, oh, I was this person in high school and I am forever this person. And it almost doesn't let you change because you're so you're So you've labeled, your, it becomes like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yes. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah.
3: Right. Yeah. I'm big into that concept that our whole life is just waves of different types of emotions and biochemical reactions that are happening in your body that make you feel different ways. So even that guy who's supposedly avoidant, you know, cause he mentioned that his mother, you know, left to go on a retreat when he was 12. And now you've diagnosed that he's, you know, avoidant as a result of that. And that's why he's not texting you back. That might, he might have a feeling of being avoidant for a moment, but that doesn't mean that, you know, a week later, he's not going to decide that he wants to see you again, or that he wants to be attached and everybody's just an ebbing and flowing.
1: Mm-hmm. So
3: yeah, I agree with that.
1: Warmer weather is finally back. After so many cold months, it's nice to get outside and soak up the sun, but the springtime
2: Well, I am excited to do some dear DSTs with you. So usually we do them on Thursdays, but since we've got you here, <laughs> yeah. I have two really good listener emails. They have to do with, you know, interpersonal relationships, not not romantic relationships, mostly family. So are you ready for some ready. questions, guys? Let's do it. All right. Hi, Aileen. First off, I want to say how grateful I am for what you have made this podcast into and all that it has done for my acceptance of my body. My boyfriend and I have been together for three years. Our relationship is great, and the podcast has inspired me to talk more openly with him about my past and current issues around disordered eating and body thoughts. However, his mother is super problematic. We all live in the same city, so I see her pretty frequently. My boyfriend once remarked, quote, my mom thinks anyone bigger than her is too big. In parentheses, she wears a size two and I wear a size six. She had anorexia when she was younger and constantly projects her body insecurity onto other people. When my boyfriend gained a little weight during quarantine, she got him an Equinox membership without asking and told him she'd pay for Weight Watchers claiming she didn't want him to get heart disease. Once we were at dinner and she remarked that I looked skinnier than the oh my god, I can't keep reading this. Um, once we were at dinner and she remarked that I looked skinnier than the last time we had seen each other, and when I asked that she not discuss my body, she got defensive and claimed that she was just trying to compliment me. She also constantly congratulates me for exercising, which is beyond bizarre. We committed to going on vacation to the beach this summer for eight days, four of which will just be us and her. I am extremely nervous about wearing a bathing suit in front of her. Normally, this doesn't worry me at all, but I know she'll be judging as she constantly comments on my appearance, even if it's a, quote, nice comment, which brings up a lot of past anxiety about my body I've worked hard to put behind me. My boyfriend is very good at putting her in her place, but in the long run, it's useless trying to get her to change as every time she's confronted, she shuts down. I'm working with my therapist on how to approach this as her behavior borders on being emotionally abusive in other situations too. But if you have any guidance on how the hell I can get through this vacation without my head exploding, I would be so grateful. Much love. Mom is driving me insane, Betch. <laughs> what do you guys think about that?
4: It's kind of interesting. It makes me think of, I, Naomi recommended this book to me a while ago. What was it called? The <laughs> About the not being like...
3: Oh, untethered soul. The untethered soul. Yes. We've heard of that. Oh, the untethered did. soul. That's great.
4: And it, It. I mean, obviously, like, I, I do feel bad for her. This is, like, a, a really annoying situation to have. And, like, it's tough to be around someone who, like, easily pushes your buttons like that. But I th- did think it was an interesting thing bringing up that in that book where it's kind of like there's always going to be people who kind of trigger you in, like, different ways. So, the be- kind of, like, the only thing you can really do is is learn how to like, not let it affect you. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, I do think she, it sounds like she's trying to like, tell the mom to back to off change. Her, her boyfriend is right. trying to, to tell her to change, but like, she can't really control that. Right. All she can really control is like
3: the way that she lets it affect her or doesn't. Yeah. A hundred percent. And look, the way she says that when she's confronted, she shuts down. Okay that's fine. Like she's getting her to stop the behavior. I think part of what this listener needs to be able to tolerate is the mother's feelings. So she seems pretty confident in the fact that like, she's okay. Like I, I get the idea that this listener is doing a lot of good work in terms of accepting herself, accepting her body. I mean, that doesn't seem like that's an issue. Um, maybe, maybe she has, but she seems like she's at a good place and able to have a healthy mindset towards her own body and her own weight. And what's pulling her out of that is this mother. So, and if she brings it up and the mother shuts down, I think that's just going to be the listener's moment to just take a few breaths, know that she knows what's, you know, that she stood up for herself, that she's setting boundaries with this person and that the mother doesn't like it and she's shutting down and that's okay. And then she can go frolic in the water with her boyfriend and, enjoy some peace and quiet away from that. So the hardest part sometimes about this is being able to tolerate that you can't change the other person and just Mm -hmm. like kind of breathing through that and realizing, but I think she sounds like she's done a really good job of attempting to communicate. And after you attempt to communicate and say what your boundaries are and that you don't want her discussing your body shape. If she continues to do it, you can continue to say something. And if she shuts down, which I'm assuming means stop speaking and leaves. Okay.
2: Okay. Right, the the question I mean is is okay. What does she think is going to happen after the mom judges her on the beach? Is she worried that the mom is going to quietly like poison the the boyfriend against her, like you know, in, in in other ways, like project her own issues like that? To me, like that's if I've ever felt judged by someone else, it's it's I always try to get deep down and and think about like, why do I care about what this person thinks? Mm -hmm. And if the answer is, I don't, this person's not this, their thoughts aren't going to change anything, but in this case, she could, you know, do you have any advice about like, maybe to find out if like to, to maybe to feel a little bit more secure in her relationship to know that nothing is going to come of that judgment,
3: Right. So it sounds like what you're getting out of this is that maybe she's fearful that the mom is going to poison the boyfriend and somehow make him feel like she's not good enough for him.
4: Or maybe in in that way, maybe it's kind of like, maybe she has a fear that the boyfriend's like been growing up, has been raised by this woman with such strong, intense feelings about how a thin a woman should be. And then she's kind of afraid that internally, maybe he's taken some of those feelings inside. And like somewhat believes them himself. And then she's kind of self-conscious that like, maybe he's just thinking these things and she's just the one saying them, but like that's rubbed off on her. That's kind of what I'm saying.
3: Yeah. I mean, he, she says my boyfriend's good at putting her in her place. So I don't, I don't, I mean that it definitely is possible that it's about her and the boyfriend. My hunch, and I could be wrong is that it's more just that she's still a bit struggling with her own acceptance. And then Mm -hmm. this mother's voice is the voice that she's been trying to get out of her head for the last decade or however long she's been dealing with this. Um, so I think sometimes, you know, just almost realizing like, and I tell part of dealing with body image stuff is being able to recognize, like I I tell a lot of people to look at their negative body image voice as like a separate part of that. It's not you. It's like the separate mean girl, that lives inside your head that says mean things to you about your body. So almost seeing the mother-in-law or the boyfriend's mother as like, Oh, here she is. She's back again in a different form. (laughs) It took me a long time to get rid of her. And now she's back and I have to like flick her off my shoulder again and move on because I think it's like just reminding her of probably her own negative self-talk, which is hard to get rid of. Um, but. That's a
2: that's really such good advice. Yeah, <laughs> just a, a, such a good way to think about it because especially because it it takes it a step further and says that those thoughts are wrong or they're like they're not helpful. They're the me- they're mean. They're the mean girl. They're right. the person that is socially the bad one.
3: Yes. And then you can almost kind of when the mother does that, you can almost look at her and be like, "I feel bad for you that you are acting like such a terrible person." I know I'm a good person, so I can go have fun on the beach because what matters is that I'm a good human and not that I'm a size two. So if you really believe that, which I'm sure she does, my Mm -hmm. good human size 17, 22, 46, whatever you are, can go and enjoy myself because I know that I have a good heart and I'd rather be in this body feeling like a kind person than in a tiny little body being a mean girl trying to make other people feel bad. So I'm going to enjoy my life. Um, but
2: that's great. And that's like, comes
3: back to the untethered soul piece of, and it just goes for everything. It's just realizing that your thoughts are, they're not facts and they're oftentimes mean and they're oftentimes cruel and they come from your own brain. And just cause you've created something in your brain doesn't mean that you have to listen to it and follow it and let it guide you. Um, and especially when it comes to body image and, you know, self-esteem and all of that, we, you know, there's most of the thoughts that are in there, unless you're feeling really good about yourself, most of them are probably not helpful and
2: not mm-hmm. to be listened
3: to. So,
2: yeah, I'm just, I just want to be on vacation for eight days on the beach. So yeah. <laughs> enjoy it for all of us. Yeah, enjoy <laughs> and don't it. Don't worry about this mom. Just let her just sit not not have fun because she probably will be having those thoughts about herself also and yeah and that 100%, right. that's
3: what it is that's where yeah. that's coming from You're well right. that's totally. the other thing it's like the
4: other person is clearly like it clearly like affects this other person's life so much that they almost can't help but comment it so much that it's almost just if you feel like sad for them like mm-hmm. that they are so that it meet this thing that means, means so much to them, which doesn't mean that much to anyone else, or like anyone else around you at the moment anyway.
1: Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the Must not take yourself too seriously, and six1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, "Hey." <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new bumble.
2: All right, let's do another question. Dear Aileen, Jordana and Dr. Naomi, I just spent the weekend with my sister and her two-year-old. They live in another state, so I don't see them very often. My sister and I grew up in a free-for-all snacks and fast food household. If we didn't like something once, my mom never made it again. It took until college for me to start learning how to eat and prepare vegetables and just learn about nutrition in general. My sister, though, never learned. She's always eaten off the kid's menu her whole life and is statistically morbidly obese. Now she's instilling her same diet and eating habits onto her daughter. My two-year-old niece has never had a whole fruit or vegetable. She only feeds her fast food and they always give her sugary sweets at all times throughout the day. This past weekend when I was visiting them, I was just biting my tongue the whole time. I don't think I have the right to say anything. She's not my daughter, but I love her more than life itself and I just want the best for her. I have no idea what to do or how to approach this. What's your advice on how to handle this type of situation? Thanks. An aunt who is just trying to help. Betcha. Eileen, you say aunt? Aunt?
4: I say aunt.
2: What do yeah. you say? I think I say aunt, but I've only just said aunt this first time. <laughs> I was like,
4: <laughs> is that a Long Island dialect? The,
2: no. The you're from saying, Long Island. That's what I'm what saying. That's what I'm doing? saying. Like, I
4: thought like, See, I, the
3: three of us are from Long Island, so I thought right. it was like, yeah. aunt
4: is is the long lean is her.
3: growing and changing <laughs> and <laughs> becoming it sounds she may or may not want to be your aunt. friend anymore
2: an aunt is it aunt no i say aunt
3: either one i, I think it. is totally fine but
2: this is good. the first time i've said aunt but okay so what do you think about this does she have any right to say anything how would you handle this
4: It's funny, we kind of covered something similar to this, um, Dr. Naomi and I on this morning's oversharing recording. But that what it's funny, because this morning's oversharing recording was about like, if you're around a couple, and one person's sort of like verbally abusing the other, like, should you say something? And then we Mm -hmm. were talking about how that relates to like, how that could spill over into like parenting or anything else. Like if someone doesn't ask for your advice, are you allowed to give it? And if so, how? So I mean, I'm not. I'm not a a parent. So I'll I'll let you start with this one,
3: Dr. Naomi. Yeah. Um. So a couple of things. I my initial instinct is that this is more an issue for the listener than it is. Um, it's it's more her issue. I think she's trying to control the situation and the outcome for her niece, which I get because she loves her and she feels like you know, perhaps her mother's, you know, her parenting, the parenting of her contributed to her having some, you know, body image issues or not being able to eat healthy and same for her sister. But you could see this going the other direction. Like you hear people where they say, it's a free for all, we ate whatever we wanted, nobody cared. And then I wasn't restricted. So I was able to find like a nice healthy balance because, um, you know, I didn't have, that many rules. And I kind of, yeah, I didn't have that many complexes. So you could see this could go either way. There's people that grow up with the mom telling them, you know, preparing every single meal and they never have sugar their whole life. And then they get to college and all they want to do is just binge on whatever they can binge on. So I think the listener here is trying to find, um, some control in a situation that is probably not within her control. Um, so I don't think she should say anything. I think she should probably, just enjoy watching her niece enjoy her sweets and do whatever it is that she's, you know, however, her sister wants to parent her. I think if the sister is really unhealthy, then, you know, maybe there's something going on there, some emotional eating or something with her sister. Um, And I don't, that's a different question if she wanted to address that with her. Um, But I think that some of the writer's issues I think are being projected onto her niece. Cause I don't, I think parenting can definitely affect, your body image and, and your, you know, what you eat and what you choose to eat. But I think it's oftentimes worse when it's a over-controlling parent that's talking about diet and weight and all of that all the time than it is someone who's just kind of not really paying attention to that and not making you feel badly one way or the other. Yes, healthy food is wonderful. And that would be great as a parent to give that. But I think more damage is probably done when it's the opposite end of the extreme at least emotionally and psychologically.
2: So I hear you about like free for all is emotionally healthy. Like when you can sort of choose whatever you want, but what if she's only being fed fast? Like she's the kids right. not getting the option like nutrition, right. For us, like a vet, a green bean, for example.
3: Right. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's, it's tough and it's not going to, you know, she's probably going to be lethargic and it's not good for her, you know, she's probably vitamin deficient and all that kind of stuff. Um, So, you know, I guess it's possible that she could try to offer her, bring some fresh fruits and maybe the mom will see that the daughter likes that and be like, oh, wow, she really loves strawberries. Let me grab some. Like that would be something that she really enjoys. I think she could help in that way. But I think to come out and say, I don't like what you're feeding your daughter.
2: Yeah, you can't say that.
3: (laughs) Yeah.
4: Right. (laughs) Or think about it. I mean, if you think about it to make it less like diet triggered, even like, Let's say you were talking about any other aspect of the parenting. Like, if someone tried to tell you like the right way to do it, you'd probably be like,
3: "Fuck off," a little bit. Like, right? I mean, <laughs> to an extent. Yeah, if like they screen were like, time or what right. you know, whatever it could be mm-hmm. that you're doing with your kid that some parent, you know, someone else might say is terrible. Um, I wonder if she's aware. I do wonder if the sister is like aware um, of what's, you know, what's healthy and how, what, you know, how it's affecting mm-hmm. her daughter. I'm sure every time, I mean, alien. I don't know if you're at this, how old's your
2: she's baby? eight and a half months. Well, okay. <laughs> so you're, you're
3: probably <laughs> barely giving her any food, but when they get older, every time Stop. you go to the doctor, they always talk about like what's healthy and are they eating fruits and vegetables? And like, so I mm-hmm. don't think she's going to be telling her anything that she doesn't already know. Um, right about what they're what she's supposed to be feeding her. If she's like, like you're saying, Aileen, there's so much talk about what to eat and what not mm-hmm. to eat and what's right and diets and what's good and bad that I'm sure the sister is aware and either is doing it for her own psychological reasons to make herself feel better about eating it or whatever is going on for her that I don't know that that slight suggestion from her sister is really going to change anything in the yeah. big picture. She probably knows.
4: How does she know, like that she's not getting any of that. She's not I assume she's doesn't not around them all the time. Right. So it's like she doesn't know every meal they have. Maybe she just yes. sees the more of the fast food ones and maybe it's like slightly disproportionately in the fast food realm. But
3: seems a little
0: Yeah,
3: yeah I couldn't imagine awkward. that she's never had a whole fruit or vegetable in her whole entire life. Okay, I mean but
2: what if she what if she, that's <laughs> what true? If she's true? Right. <laughs> yeah. Like what if that is true? Right. And
4: she'll probably have some issues that a doctor would advise on, right? I right. would imagine.
2: Yeah. But then you run into like a whole another gamut of issues with like, then the doctor is telling like, prescribing weight loss. And then that is also where a certain psychological path right. starts to go. So
3: so that's, I think that's you and most of us like kind of getting ahead of yourself, right? She's yeah. Two. But that's what the human mind does, right? We take a situation <laughs> that feels like, a little out of control like the way you're describing it and the way you know like but what if all she's eating is fast food and sugar all day like it feels like okay we have to do something here this is really bad mm-hmm. um but like jordana said i'm sure if it was really affecting her health at this point the doctor mm-hmm. would be saying okay she has high cholesterol or she has is vitamin deficient or you know maybe she's falling asleep you know, she can't stay awake or there's something going on for her that then maybe we just wait and like address that issue when that issue is actually an issue versus Mm -hmm. let's prevent the issue right now. Um,
2: right. Right.
4: And I mean, it's interesting to me that she's trying, she's, she really wants to control what her sister is feeding her daughter and like, To me, and I read this somewhere, it was like, when you try to control people, you don't respect them. Like, if you respect people, then you trust them to do what they believe is best and, like, trust that they'll make the right decisions. But if you don't respect them, then you don't trust them, and that's what makes you want to control them. Mm -hmm. Um, Which, I mean, it's worth reevaluating her bigger relationship with her sister, and it sounds like – I mean, she's saying this – that it's about like the food and her concern for the daughter. But it, to me, it sort of speaks to maybe a deeper seated issue that she has with her sister. And maybe the way that they've approached this childhood of being given everything that they wanted or, or, or a mother that would do whatever they wanted. Maybe. Right. I think and this,
2: the, this, the, the, the writer, the, the aunt <laughs> who wrote in <laughs> is probably seeing probably has her own things with her. With She says she she changed her whole nutrition when she got to college. So clearly there was a shift that happened. So she was obviously more aware. So she's probably looking back and like seeing, oh, my sister should be doing what I'm doing. Right. Like, and how come she's not? And that makes me mad. <laughs> right. And so here's why I think now, the, now I'm, I have this like sort of more... Like there's this not altruistic, but like there's something like the stakes are higher. It's now a little kid who's innocent, and yeah. now here I can make a difference because I couldn't make a difference in my own life when I was a kid. So I think that's probably a lot what's going on.
3: Totally, and I th- and I think like you said something about res- like she said my her whole life her sister is statistically morbidly obese which means like she's been doing some thinking about this and perhaps some calculations and some searches on charts and things to figure out what's going on with her sister. So I think this might be more about like, okay, I can't let my niece turn into this person who maybe, because of that, perhaps she's Jordana, like you said, not respecting her because of she hasn't been able to properly take care of her own body according to this listener Mm -hmm. or that's how the listener feels. So yeah, I think there is like a a control thing going on here, like a trying to control this external environment. yes, fruits and vegetables are good, but um you know i I think this is more about that you know trying to out of fear there's a fear what if she I don't want her to turn into her mother perhaps um not or mm-hmm. even not even so much herself,
2: right. Um, because, right. Because, like, I mean, with sisters, I don't have a sister. I have a brother, but you guys are sisters. Um, but you guys are really far apart, so it's, I guess it's different. You, you wouldn't, like, really necessarily compare right. with, with each other, like, compete. But with sisters I'm who are closer in age, I'm sure do, like, right. sort of compete with each other or think one is better than the other. So her, it's, it's definitely a projection, but it's also, like, Okay, I don't want, I want you to be like me, not my sister. Mm -hmm. Right? Right.
4: Yeah. And I think that's probably her bigger thing that she should be like focusing on analyzing is one, like, do I respect my sister less because of the way that she looks or her health? Right. Um, If that's what she's saying. And Mm -hmm. two, like, what is this, like, what is the way that I feel about her say about like the way that I think about body image in general or how much value I'm pa- placing on that? Or how, is it really, is it really about the concern that my niece isn't getting proper, nutri- uh, and proper nutrients and is not, and is not healthy or is it something bigger that has nothing to do with that? That's more about me and maybe my relationship with my sister and maybe my relationship with myself and my own body.
2: Mm-hmm. Definitely.
3: I would agree with that.
2: Well, thank you guys. This is good. I hope that aunt and uh, the girl with the mom <laughs> really get some good advice from us and you two more specifically. I'm really excited about your show too, because like dissecting relationships is really interesting, but like even just dissecting like what people write in or, or like the way that they think is really just so it's, 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 it's interesting to, to like use it as like this, like mystery or this map and figure out how they're actually feeling about Mm -hmm. certain things. And like, we're all just, did you watch um Brene Brown's Atlas of the Heart or read it by any chance? No. I've only read
4: the first, the daring greatly. Is there? A new I started one?
2: watching. Yeah, I started watching. It's a it's a series, but it's like a one lecture that she breaks out into episodes on HBO Max. And she, the whole thing is about like defining all the feelings that we have because we are like even though we all think that we're just intellectual and we're all thinking beings we're actually just it's just feeling beings and and everything just goes back to what we're feeling and like all of our actions go back to how how we felt about something not how we thought about something and so that's that's why this is to me i'm really excited to listen to your show but you should watch that documentary it's really yeah we should should watch it interesting
4: and then discuss it on the show Bring all the worlds
2: together. <laughs> I hope it ends well that I recommended it. <laughs> but it's, it's real, it's, I found it. I mean, she, she obviously could have gotten into more like, but I want to read the book then instead if there actually is one.
3: It's very true. the, the Your feelings come from like literal, the biochemistry in your body. What's something that's making your heartbeat faster, something that's stirring up the stomach acid in your stomach that makes you feel nauseous or whatever it is. So if you can kind of pay attention to that, And how it affects your thought process that's a big part of it you know like how those two things kind of bounce back and forth off of each other um yeah Yeah.
2: and it said that
4: kind of thing in in the untethered soul i remember there was a part where it was like who are you really like you are like your name that was given to you like you are like you are just like in a body and you all you are is like your reactions to things that's the only thing that's like the real true Mm like you, because like everything else is just where you live, where you're from. Like, that's not really you. The way who you are is just how you react to the things that go on around
3: you.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: You are the same you that you were when you were four, but you look totally different. Your body is an entirely different body than it was, but you are literally that same, you know, Jordana Abraham that was four back when you had curly hair and like a little... <laughs>
1: Jordy. Cute little monkey. Going, yeah, back.
3: Jordy. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but your soul, you're like the same person, but your body's so different. But we cling right. to this body and this body has so much to do with who we are, but it's going to be so different in 10 years and in 20 years. So The,
2: the interesting um, thing about her study too, and she like researches feelings, is that she says that um, having the language to define what you're feeling actually shapes the experience of that feeling. So like, if you are able to say what I'm feeling is actually envy versus jealousy, it changes that experience and you're the next feeling you're going to have and what you do. And I thought that was actually like so fascinating. And she, she was saying like most people only like know like five feelings, the names of five different feelings, but really there's so, so many. And so that's why like this is the work that she's doing. But I thought that it's, was so. I, I love it. It's a,
3: it's so cute for little kids. It's like the cutest. So like because I'm a psychologist with my son who gets like angry all the time. When <gasps> he puts a label on it, it's just like the most del- like he'll be and like, really "I'm just feeling jealous," and it's like, "Okay, now we're getting somewhere." You know, instead of just or I'm feeling so frustrated. It's just sort of like, "Okay, now we can work with that." Instead of just roar and and, you know, punch and kick and throw himself Mm -hmm. on the floor. He's like identifying what the cause of this was and realizing that this is the name of it. And now I can kind of work with that. And then um, also, like, the way that,
4: that he probably feels, but also probably makes oh, other so people <laughs> react to the feeling in a much better way. Oh, my God. Way. When he says
3: it, like, when he identifies yeah. the feeling, I melt. And I'm kind of like, okay.
4: You're probably this a lot more a, soft a, a, than if he's soft, just, like, yeah. throwing
3: stuff around,
4: and you're, like, angry. Mm-hmm. Then you become angry now, at right. him. Now,
2: use this right. exact same thing between two people in a relationship. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, ima- like, imagine, I've had this where I'm just, like, so mad. But, like, I can't really pinpoint like what exactly that I'm feeling and then when you do when you say and it just it it it, it shows that you're a little bit more vulnerable and mm-hmm. it explains what the actual specific feeling that you're feeling rather than just mad right. or mm-hmm. upset and that person can understand you a little bit better Right. And then
4: they want to help resolve it instead of Mm -hmm. just like get away from you. (laughs) Right,
3: Yeah, (laughs) yeah, totally. And then you end up, then that's a cycle. Then you feel like uncared for and rejected. It makes you more mad instead of, Mm -hmm. you know, and little kids are the perfect example. Like you're hundred percent right. If he says, I'm, I'm jealous. I feel jealous or I feel frustrated. I'm like, okay, sweetie, like, how can I help with that? Instead of him throwing things, I'm like, go to your room now. I'm closing the door. Like mommy needs a break. Mm-hmm. You know, or like you're, you know, anything in a relationship, if you if your <laughs> boyfriend stays out till five in the morning and you're just mad just because you're mad versus saying like, I feel insecure. I feel jealous. I feel whatever. Then he can say like, okay, let's talk about those feelings. Totally. Right. Good
2: point. And it helps you figure out yourself. Why are you feeling insecure? Right. What is it? Um, yeah. Well, this has been awesome. Thank you Good guys. Um, can you tell everyone, how they can listen to oversharing, where they can listen to oversharing, and when they can listen to oversharing.
4: Sure. Oversharing comes out every Tuesday, anywhere you get your podcasts. So Apple, Spotify, I think there's like Google Podcasts, like literally anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Um, And you guys can go subscribe, check it out. And you know me, I'm Jordana Abraham.
2: And Naomi, you have the cutest kids. You make very Aww. cute children.
4: Thank you.
2: They're I, adorable. I
4: <laughs> Are you accepting s- new patients? I forget.
3: Yes, limited. So I I only have daytime availability. But if our schedule is mesh, and you know what you're going through is an area of expertise of mine, then I'm happy to get on the phone, have a chat, see if we're a good match for each other, um, and go from there. But yeah, I am in in limited. And where can they find you? Um, you can find me at naomibernstein.com. So there you'll find all the information about me. Or you can always shoot me an email at drnaomi at yahoo.com.
2: Can I ask one more question? I know we're literally about to close out. But speaking of having a conversation with a therapist, finding out if you're a match, do you have any advice about like maybe a couple questions that a person should ask when they are Finding the right therapist for them because mental obviously people are looking for therapists these days. Um, I, I've heard so many people are like sold, booked up, so everything is just right unavailable. So I think that would be really helpful.
3: Yeah, I think if you can um, if you can get on a call with a therapist, and most people will do kind of like a you know short chat. Uh, 15 minutes or so, just to see if you're a good match. What I always do is just let them tell me a little bit about what's going on. And then I give my kind of take on how I perceive it or how I would try to help them or what types of conversations we would have about it. So if you're going to ask a question, maybe just kind of like, what's your take on this? And just mm-hmm. see if what they're saying kind of hits hits to your soul or speaks to you in terms of what you're looking for from therapy or how they're approaching it, um, I would leave it a little more open ended and just kind of see what the vibe is. Because it, if it ends up being like an interview, like okay, well, what modalities do you use? And like, well, I use cognitive behavior th- behavioral therapy right. and psychodynamic. or kind of like, I don't know what I, I don't know if that what that means. <laughs> okay. um, um, so I would just get on a call, let them know what you're struggling with, and kind of say like, what's your take on that? And let them speak and see if it feels. Like a you know, like a good first date, you know, like a do a vibe check
2: vibe yeah. check <laughs> we should change consult the word console to vibe check vibe check <laughs> <laughs> professional vibe check, well, yeah. thank you both so much, and uh that is it. For today's episode of DST, I'll be back this Thursday to answer more Dear DST questions and DST wins and be sure to send them to DST at Betches.com or you can call our hotline 212-287-5650 and follow us at tomorrow. I'm at Aileen and go listen to Oversharing right now um, anywhere you listen to your podcasts and we're always with you through thick and thin.
1: Diet Starts Tomorrow is produced by Sean Kilby, Stacey Wong, and Jorge Morales-Pico. Editing by Stacy Wong. Be sure to follow at Diet Starts Tomorrow on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And send us your emails to dst at betches.com.
0: Betches.